Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I have some stuff burning in my heart. I feel like the Lord's been speaking, but I'm really, really excited to share. Um, So I want to thank you in advance for, for letting me be up here. A couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, my parents are in Tampa right now, which is really rude. <laughs> so I just want to, mom and dad, it's rude. So they're in Florida enjoying the beautiful sunny weather. How cute. Um, but they asked me a while ago, well, I was telling them that um, when they were going to be out of town, I was like, oh, I have Tim and Laura on the schedule. They're going to lead worship so I can do transition. Like, I'll be available for that, right? And they're like, oh, great. My mom was like, why don't you preach? And I was like, No. She's like, well, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm doing transition. That's why I told you they're on the schedule to do worship so I can do transition. So then she tells my dad. And my dad was like, yeah, you should preach, Sarah. Come on, it'll be great. And I was like, guys, that was not my intention in telling you that I scheduled someone else to do worship that week. I was prepared to do transition. That was it. But I am really excited to share with you guys today. I feel like the Lord's been putting some stuff in me for a long time. And... um been preparing me to just to speak and to share with you all. Um, so I'm really excited for, for what's to come this morning. So let's dive right in. I'm going to share a couple scriptures. I'm going to be talking about um, the story of Mary in the alabaster box. Typical worship leader, I know. But it really is a beautiful story. And I have some wisdom I feel like the Lord's been sharing that I want to share with you guys. So let's read John 12, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1 says, six days before Passover, Jesus entered Bethany, where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table with them. Mary came in with a jar of very expensive aromatic oils, anointed and massaged massaged Jesus' feet, and then wiped them with her hair. The fragrance of the oils filled the house. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, even then getting ready to betray him, said, Why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. He said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of their common funds, but also embezzled them. Jesus said, Let her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you. You don't always have me. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people in this room this morning. I pray that your word would just transform, that your word would pierce hearts this morning, that your love would be so evident in this room and through what and through the word that you've given me, Jesus. I thank you for every life and every heart. I thank you for this morning and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk about a couple of things that I see in this story, um, but first I, I want to share this, this story. Most of you know my mom. She's a beautiful, wonderful first lady of the house, but she's also really bougie. She loves nice things, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I'm definitely her daughter because I too love nice things. Who doesn't love nice things? There's nothing wrong with going shopping, right? The other day, my mom bought a new perfume, and she was telling me about it 
literally like three times a day, she's like, Sarah, smell my new perfume. Do you like it? Sarah, do you like my new perfume? Sarah, smell my new perfume. And I was like, mom, it's great. It's awesome. Great. She's like, it was really expensive. I was like, oh, nice. She has this thing where she buys all kinds of things, all too many of one product. And they're not always cheap. And perfume is one of those things. She probably has an entire shelf of expensive perfume. She, Hannah, my sister, attests. She does. She has an entire shelf of just expensive perfumes, and they all smell great. Does she need that many? No. But she bought them. I wonder what my mom would do if she walked in and I was breaking open all of these bottles of perfume. I'm a little bit afraid of what her response would be. Just a little bit. But really, though, I mean, like, what would she... All of these pricey, expensive perfumes that she probably holds dearly and she has her favorite thing about each and every one of them, what would she do if I was just breaking them open on the ground? She's like, excuse me, that's mine. That's expensive. I think a little bit of that shock was how the disciples felt when Mary broke open her alabaster jar. I think there was a little bit of like, whoa, what are you doing? Do you realize value and the price of that? Do you, hold, Mary, hey, Mary, Mary, we're disciples here, right? Do you realize what you're doing? And I think, I think they were a little bit shocked, but Jesus recognized the posture of her heart. Mary had a different value system than the disciples did. And in an eternal sense, her oil had no value, but to Jesus, it was costly. To Jesus, it was everything. To Jesus, her oil was so precious to him. And I think it's funny that the only disciple that, well, at least as of what we know, the only disciple that spoke was Judas, even then getting ready to betray the Lord. How interesting. The other disciples didn't dare speak in that moment. The fragrance filled the room, and I think that they recognized that there was something different about what Mary was releasing in that room. She was releasing her oil. She was honoring Jesus in the day of his burial. She had a different value system. You know, in life, there's this economy of exchange. Things cost stuff. We buy it. But I think the economy of exchange in heaven is a lot different than what it looks like on earth. It's a lot different. All of these worldly things don't necessarily matter to Jesus. He wants our heart. He doesn't need our gifts. He doesn't need our sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. He wants us. He wants you. He wants your whole heart. He wants your whole life. And I think that's what matters to Jesus. And I think Mary recognized that. Sometimes I I overthink myself and the things that I choose to do. Who doesn't overthink? Right, guys? Come on. I often find myself at the altar crying or on the stage when I'm leading worship crying. I'm sure some of you have seen it. I literally end up on my face. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, well, I hope they don't think that I'm a sinner. (laughs) That I'm like always on the altar, like repenting for everything that I've ever done wrong. I mean, I promise I'm not that bad, guys. So, yeah, obviously, like, there's stuff I've done wrong, but, but I, was, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, well, 
But I, th I think it's, it's different for me. I, I kind of heard the Lord's voice correct me and say, no, 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 no. You're worshiping at my feet. You long to be in my presence, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being undone in the presence of Jesus. That's what we live for. That's what I live for. There is this thing so deep inside of me that longs to be with Jesus that says, God, I will take my costly perfume and I'll break it open at your feet because I don't care what the risk looks like. I don't care what the disciples have to think. I don't care what the people have to say about me. But Lord, you are all that I want and you are worthy of everything that I have to give. Jesus, you're worthy of all of that. I think that was kind of the place that Mary was in. She said, no, I don't care what it looks like. I know who the prize is. I know who my king is. I know what he's getting ready to do. And he's worthy of that. Another thing that I, I kind of took from this story, I think that out of this place of intimacy with Jesus, out of this posture of being at his feet, worshiping him, comes righteous living. I feel this so strongly. When we're postured at Jesus, purity comes so easy. I promise you. I think so often we get caught up in this works mentality and this religious wheel, and I got to do good, and I got to read my Bible. What? Yes, sure, that's great, important, but also like, are we doing it so that we can look good? So that we can be a really good Christian? So that you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm good at what I do. Yeah, these other sinners, nope, they did wrong. Did you see what she did Saturday night? Were you there? Mm, I heard. Are, are we in this place? I mean, or are we over here? Jesus, you're worthy of my purity. You're worthy of my time. Jesus, you're worthy of all of my worship. I don't want to touch any of that. I don't want to touch anything that might hinder me from feeling close to you. I think sometimes we get so caught up in this. Do, did we forget what, what we're doing it for? Did we forget who we're living for? I want to read Romans 5, uh, one, verse 1 and 2 in the Passion Translation. This is so good. It says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. How good is that? We've been given righteousness. It's a gift. Do you know that it's a gift? And Isaiah talks about how he's traded our, our filthy rags for robes of righteousness. It comes easy. Did you know that holiness is a participation before it's a practice? I'm sure you guys have heard my dad say that before. It's not something we strive for. It's something that was given to us through the life of Jesus. It was a gift. 
It's a gift. It still is today. It's not something we have to work toward. It's not something we have to strive for. But it's something that comes from this place of union with Jesus. We say, Jesus, you are mine and I am yours. And through that comes righteousness. Through that comes purity. And it's easy. As believers, we're we're called to, to be set apart. Sometimes that's a little bit difficult. I know it is for me. This last, I don't know, almost two years since I, me and my family moved from Las Vegas, I have been really back and forth with the Lord about this. And I think this is why it's so heavy on my heart. I, it's been a hard two years. But I'm, I'm going back and forth with Jesus, and I'm like, what does it mean to be set apart? What does it mean to live righteously? Like, am I doing all of these things for good, or am I doing them for the Lord, or what am I even doing them for? And sometimes, I think when there's a call on your life and you're following the call of the Lord, it can get really lonely. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one that's going down this path. You're just fighting and fighting and digging and digging, and you're like, God, what? I, can I have some help here? But then I remember that righteousness is a gift. Then I remember that we have permanent access to this marvelous kindness of Jesus. Then I remember that he declares us flawless in his eyes. Flawless in his eyes. Church, there is nothing that you could do or that you can do or that you have done to separate you from the love of Jesus. There is nothing that you could do that you have done that will ever make him not love you any less than he does right now. Did you know that he already paid the price? Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget the value of it. Did you know that he already paid the price for you? That he already sent his son? What an act of love. What more can I give than to live righteous and live pure? What more can I give than to pour out my costly oil? Is he worth that much, church? Is he worth that? I'm going through my notes so fast. I did this first service. It's fine. It's great. I love the part of John where it talks about how the fragrance filled the room. May my life be a fragrance that fills and permeates atmospheres. May my life be a fragrance of you, Jesus. I think it's so beautiful and that's, I think that had a lot to do with why the disciples were kind of stunned and they didn't speak. They were like, whoa. Have you ever been in that place of worship or that place with the Lord in your secret place in a corporate setting and you're like, whoa, I can't move. I can't speak. This is holy. I think that's what happened in that moment. What Mary was doing was holy. In that time, um, usually your alabaster jar could only be poured out by being broken. And it was saved, usually saved for a wedding night. So when the woman got married with their husbands, they're not of union, they're not of intimacy. If that's what Mary was saving it for, 
She chose to pour it out on the feet of Jesus because Mary had union in mind. Mary had intimacy in mind. She said, this is, he is worthy of this. He is worthy of my oil. He is worthy of my union and my intimacy. How beautiful. I think what she did was so scandalous. In that time, I, women were not known as disciples. Yet she sat at a table full of disciples and boldly said, no, this is my king. I'll break open my oil. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what the risk is. I don't care what the disciples think of me. He is worthy of that. Church, is he worthy of your oil? Come on, is he worthy of your purity? Is he worthy of your righteousness? Everything that I have is yours, Lord. Everything that I have. In that moment, Mary chose what was valuable to her. Sometimes I think when we're not postured at the feet of Jesus and when our, our minds aren't necessarily aligned, this value system that Mary knew so well is sometimes kind of off. Our value system changes. And it doesn't line up with Jesus. I think sometimes we rob ourselves. We're robbing ourselves of what the Lord could give us. The Lord wants to give us because we're choosing to give our hearts to other things. It's like, oh God, well, I'll give you a little bit of my heart, but I just need this little piece because I have this thing and I just need it. You're robbing yourself. Don't allow you, yourself to give parts of you away that are so valuable to the Lord. Don't allow yourself to give, give things away so that people can treat them like trash. No, 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 no. I've been there. I've done that, and I don't want any part of it. I'm choosing to give it all to Jesus. I promise you there is no one that will value you like Jesus. There is no one that will value you like the Lord. There is no one that will treat you with such kindness than him. I don't deserve it by any means, but he still loves me but he still cares for me. He still chases after me. I wanna read this verse in James 4, verse five in the Passion Translation. It says, does the scripture mean nothing to you that says, the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. What a jealous lover is he? That he will chase down he will go through every road. He will break down every wall. Leave the 99 for the one. You guys hear me talk about this all the time, probably. <laughs> when I'm leading worship, it's all I sing about. I will never get tired of it. Jesus is worth all of it. I will never want anything else. You can have the entire world. I just want Jesus. Mary was in this place postured at the feet of Jesus. She said, I don't care what it looks like. I'm willing to risk it all for him because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of that much. At, um, the school that I went to, 
me and my siblings went to in Vegas. We went to a private Christian school. I graduated from there, so did my brother. Um, but they do this really cool thing. Every year, for a week, everyone in seventh to 12th grade goes on a mission trip, the whole school. And then they have like particular places you can choose from. And it was, it was amazing, it was, called, it was missions week, it was the best thing. I, I so value those moments that we had. Um, and so a couple years in a row, I think my sister Hannah went a couple of times, but I didn't get to go with her because our ages didn't line up. Anyway, I went with David, I think two or three times. Me and my brother David went together. And it was amazing. We partnered with an orphanage down there, and we were able to minister to kids, minister to people, and um, do some labor work and just help them. Help them. And, and it really ta it taught us a lot. But one of the days on our mission trip, we got to go to Rosarita Beach and have tacos and go shopping. If you've ever been to Mexico and you're going shopping on the streets, you know that it's a little wild. It's all of these tiny little shops, and you're trying to, you know, buy stuff, and they're trying to scam you, because that's how they make money, as they should. I remember, I mean, do what you gotta do. We were eating tacos, and David, if you know anything about my brother, you know he literally eats anything and everything. Put food in front of him, gone. So he decides to eat the brain tacos. I know. It's really popular in Mexican culture. It's just not popular to me. That to me, I don't want any part of brain tacos. I don't, I have no, I have no, absolutely no gauge for why he would even think that that was a good idea. And then he was like, yeah, it's really good. I, where? I never, I'll never understand. So we ate tacos, we had a great time, and then we're going around shopping and, and David, you know, we're buying souvenirs because we want to bring stuff home to our family and, they're nice siblings. So we're talking to these people, and they're like, oh, yeah, $30. And David's like, no, 10 I was like, w where? And they listened to him. I don't know what it is about the men in my family that can just, like, get whatever deal that they want. Like, they're just like, nah, you're going to give it to me for this much. And they're like, oh, okay. I've tried to barter. I can't do it. I've tried. doesn't work every time. They're 30 Okay, do you want 40 I'll give it to you. Fine. So David's bartering with these people, getting the best job. I learned quickly to not go away from him. If I wanted anything, I'm just going to stick right there so he can get me the best deal. I think so often we try to do this with the Lord. I think sometimes we, we barter with him. We're like, God, you want my whole heart, but I'm going to give you 75% because the 15 I need. 25, 15? I'm so good at math. <laughs> but I think we do this with God. We're like, mm, I'm not going to give you everything. How about we strike a deal? Let's do this. I'm going to give you a little bit of this, but I need to keep this little part of me. I'm going to let you heal my heart, but not these broken parts. There's a few that are just a little too deep. Sometimes I like, and I like being in my brokenness, so I'm going to let you heal some of it, but not all of it. I'm going to let you have some of my heart, but not all of it. I need a little bit. Church, we can't barter with God. He wants all of us. He wants everything. 
every part of who you are and he won't settle for less. Mary was willing to give everything. I want to be like Mary. I want to say, God, I'm willing to give it all. I'm tired of bartering with people who will always let me down. God, I know that you're faithful and that you will never let me down. God, I'm ready to give everything that I have to you. My costly oil, my costly perfume, my costly praise. It's all yours, Lord. It all belonged to you anyway. There's something so interesting in the story when Judas accuses Mary. Judas was careless and ignorant to the value system of heaven. He didn't recognize what was holy in that moment. But the first thing that Jesus did, he said, leave her alone. You don't know what she's doing. You don't know what she's preparing me for. I think sometimes we are going with the Lord. Sometimes we're going through the motions, but we're like, no, I'm going to keep after it. Jesus, I'm pointed towards you. We're going after it. I'm doing what you've called me to do. And sometimes the Judas comes in. He said, what are you doing? Don't you know that this way would be so much better? Don't you know that you don't have to give Jesus all of your heart? Don't you know that some of that costly stuff you should keep for yourself? But in this place of being postured at the heart of Jesus, what does he do? He defends her. He says, that is my daughter. Leave her alone. That is my son. Leave him alone. That is my child who I am getting prepared to die for. That is my child. Those are my children. And these words that come and try to pierce you in these places, these words that try to pierce your identity or try to kill these dreams and these visions that God's placed inside of you, Jesus says, no. He breaks down every wall. He breaks down every lie. Jesus is our defender. There's so many beautiful songs that talk about it. All I did was praise. All I did was bow down. And still you've saved me, still you've set me free, still you fight my battles for me. Such a beautiful exchange with heaven. That when we're willing to give our worship, he gives us robes of righteousness. He fills us with grace. He fills us with love everlasting. I don't know about you, church, but I'm willing to give it all. And I'll never get tired of saying it. I'm willing to give him all of me, to give him all of my praise, all of my devotion. There is nowhere else that I would rather be than at his feet. There is nowhere else that I would rather be. There's no one else that I'd rather give it to you. Jesus, you're worthy. You're worth that much. You're worth that much, Lord. 
Would you stand with me? I want to pray together. Jesus, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. I want to read these song lyrics. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Christian sent me and Tim. If you know, don't know Christian, he's newly a part of our worship community. Um, his fiancés are helping with our kids downstairs. He plays guitar, sings. Anyway, he sent me and Tim a song. And this was still when I was kind of processing what I wanted to preach about, what I wanted to share with you guys. And... Um, it was just so confirming of everything that I already wanted to talk about. We had never had a conversation about what I was preaching about. But I want to read some of the lyrics, and I just want you to close your eyes and posture your heart towards heaven. And I'm going to read these. It says, Mary sat at your feet with a time to waste. Raptured with your beauty, no rush, no haste. One act of love with a captured gaze. She poured it all out every last of praise without hesitation and without regard she opened the bottle and poured out the jar oh Jesus my most expensive love I choose to waste it all on you my most expensive oil all of my praise I give to you Jesus may we be a people that gives you everything May we be a people that gives you all of who we are, God. I want to be like Mary. I want to risk it all. I don't care what it looks like. Jesus, I give you everything. I give you everything. If you're in this place and, and you feel like you want to rededicate or continue to give it all or you just long to be with him you have a longing to spend time in your presence whatever it looks like I want to open the altars and invite you to come Jesus we long to be with you we long to be in your presence. And in this moment, we're willing to risk it all for you, Jesus. We're willing to give it all for you. Father, I thank you for every heart and every life in this room. I pray that you would just transform minds, that you would transform hearts that you would relight the fire inside of us of our first love, that you would take us back to that first moment of our first encounter with you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that when we encounter your love and your presence and your grace, that we are never the same, that we are forever changed, Lord. I pray for every heart in this room. Come like waves and crash into this place, Jesus. Crash in, Lord, crash in, Lord, crash in, Lord. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. 
Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.